0: Just go to Indeed.com/slash Blue Wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's indeed.com/slash Bluewire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, Rotoviz Radio Listener. This is Curtis Patrick from the Dynasty Command Center Podcast. And I've got a special deal for you today. Go to Rotoviz.com. Field, touchdown, Patrick Mahomes with a rope, this one, and touchdown, this time going deep for Beckham Jr.,
1: Hello everyone, welcome back to Road of His Overtime on Road of His Radio, brought to you by Blue Wire. My name is Colin Kelly, you can follow me on Twitter at Overtime Ireland. I'm joined again by my co-host here on Road of His Overtime, it is Sean Siegel. Sean, we are uh, moving rapidly through the off-season, we're into best-ball season, we are into best season we are getting those drafts in. We're going to be talking today how you can play some best-ball in... Uh, Possibly turn that into $100,000 if that does pique your interest. I think people will be very, very interested as we look at the FFPC's Best Ball Tournament. Uh, it's going to be a fun one to dive into there. Uh, we also, in just a couple of minutes, will be announcing the winner of our Scott Fish Bowl contest to en- get an entry into the Scott Fish Bowl. We'll be uh, dropping that in just a little moment. So, uh, Sean, action-packed show. Uh, we're hoping to go for three shows again this week, uh, Monday, Thursday, and Saturday. Or th- Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday, so uh, another full week here on on Overtime.
2: Yeah, it's going to be a blast. We're excited for the winner of our contest. We're going to go over how to win that FFPC $100,000 best ball tournament. Uh, Zach and I are going to be drafting this weekend in the tournament and doing that live on his show, Roster Locked. So that's going to be pretty exciting to do one of those live shows. And today on the show, we'll talk about how to prepare for that some of the structural things we want to do It'll be, and that'll be the first in a series of articles that we release this week as we get ready for our draft so today talking about some structure talking about specific player targets to make that structure work and getting ready to draft
1: yeah it's going to be a fun one but um and you mentioned there too um you and zach are having your, your draft this week myself and zach are hoping to to draft on sunday as well we do have a league that It's partially filled. We're hoping to get it filled, so uh, I'm looking forward to diving into the strategy today. Before we get into that, we are going to mention the Scotchfish Bowl 11 entry winner. The winner is J. Samiam. I don't know if that's meant to be pronounced that particular way, but it's J-S-A-M-I-A-M. On Twitter, um, and dropped his review on Apple Podcast. Much appreciated. Uh, I don't know, Sean, if it's uh, if you're paying people to do these reviews. There's quite a few reviews coming in <laughs> mentioning uh, my voice. Uh, it's much appreciated, but it seems to be a theme of these recent ones. I don't know if uh, if you're if you're obligating these guys to to do it. But uh, the the review is the best in the business. Colin and Sean do an amazing job breaking down structural drafting in a way that's easy and enjoyable to follow along with. They've helped me with so many of my leagues, whether it's Dynasty or Redraft. I'm also positive that I would listen to any audio content Colin puts out. Maybe the most soothing voice in the entire fantasy industry. So uh, thanks for the comment. Uh, might be a bit over the top, but, I don't <laughs> but uh, it's uh, it's the winning review. And th- it didn't win the review because it mentioned me. It won the review completely at random. Uh, I did a drawing earlier today, but congratulations um, there. Um, Scott will be in touch with... Uh, the steps as to how to enter the other thing i want to mention uh, about scott fishbowl is obviously it's for charity purposes for fantasy cares you can get yourself some merchandise as well over at rotoware and um, for the scott fishbowl i bought one myself earlier this week some nice uh, scott fishbowl merchandise um, so head on over and check that out as well but sean uh, I-, I think it's a worthy one in review
2: yeah, and, and we know that Colin has the best voice in the fantasy industry, so uh, it's glad. It's, it's always great to see those comments like that. Him get full credit for the awesome job that he does. I'm, I'm always very grateful to be able to work with him, and, and we thank everybody who turned the reviews, and it, it does help the show out quite a bit, and the interaction that we've had with listeners over the last year has been absolutely fantastic. We love taking the questions, going over some of the things on the show that people are interested in. That's the thing that we're looking to do, is to help people win their fantasy leagues and to pick the right players, obviously, and make the right trades, but have the right approach in all of these different leagues, best ball, dynasty, obviously redraft, and and going through the specific formats within that. So it's been a lot of fun. We appreciate all of the interaction. We've got some great questions uh, for a show later this week that we'll get into and keep that going so it was fun last week we did a look back at the road triflex dynasty league looking at one of the other rosters in that league kind of critiquing uh, how he had approached it and got some nice uh, feedback on that as well so it's been a lot of fun congratulations to our contest winner and looking forward to the fishbowl it's always a lot of fun and what scott does to help charity with that really takes it over the top so we appreciate all that he does
1: yeah no, I really, really agree and uh, congrats as well to Scott on his big award win recently, uh, much deserved uh, for all that work he mentioned that he does. Uh, particularly in, in those charitable aspects. So Sean, let's uh, dive into. Let's try and be charitable towards ourselves and get ourselves a hundred thousand dollar top prize. Uh, the FFPC, quite an exciting contest going on. There is a multitude of different baseball contests and other contests in the industry that we'll be on over the next kind of three to four months. But I think this one's going to be going to be pretty exciting. Um, you mentioned that you're going to be drafting alongside Zach uh, this week, so it, it's going to be pretty interesting. Uh, hundred thousand dollars up top for the winner, but you've done some uh, very interesting research into how some of these uh, break down. The other thing to mention as well is some people will be listening to our shows here where we talk about the FFPC leagues. A lot of the time, we're talking about in the best ball format the classic league 28 round draft. This is the slim league, so slightly different uh, setup in terms of your roster construction. So, if you are listening along and you've heard us talking specifically about best ball in the classic format this is a, a must-read article in terms of getting those insights into what you need to be thinking about differently a little bit so sean um what were some of the the takeaways that that you noticed between the the results here from 2020
2: right so you mentioned that this is the slim format there are also a couple of other differences here we have the tournament element where we're trying to win the one hundred thousand dollars, and this combines sort of a regular season 13-week contest with four individual playoff weeks you're the top couple of teams during that playoff section. Then you move along and you get placed into another 12-team league and try and keep moving forward. So we have the 13-week element. We know that we need to win that in order to cash, get our money back, continue to go forward. As we move deeper and deeper into the contest, we win more and more money. So it's not just the $100,000. Obviously, that's nice on top, but we want to make sure that we... Are in this group that advances and makes money either way. So then we have these four playoff weeks and it's important to win or finish toward the top in all four as opposed to having that one huge week that carries you to the title. So that's gonna affect our strategy a little bit as well, but the main element here and the first thing we want to look at is the difference between classic and slim in terms of 2020 results in terms of the structure and what that might mean for us as we put together our teams in 2021.
0: We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast.
2: Now, the big difference between the classic and the slim, right? We have 28 rounds versus 18 rounds. In the classic, one of the elements we talk about a lot is that we want to have the three kickers. We want to have the three defenses. We know there are specific rounds within that that we need to grab them. We take those six guys out, right? And that makes it a 22 versus 18, which means we have four fewer roster spots still to deal with once we've taken out those onesie positions. And that does play a role in... How we're going to draft. It plays a role in in what we need to have at the flex position as we look at trying to maximize total points. So just as a very beginning step in terms of developing how we want to build these teams, I broke down the first seven rounds and made the assumption, okay, let's say that we want to fill our seven starting slots outside of the quarterback in these first seven rounds. So we're going to have two running backs, we're going to have two wide receivers, we're going to have a tight end, and then we have two flex spots remaining, and our options for that within this particular experiment were to go with two wide receivers, two running backs, or one of each. Now, the interesting thing if we look at doing this with the classic, we find that it doesn't make that big a difference if you go with two wide receivers or you go with one and one. Right. You're gonna have approximately an 8.7, 8.8 win rate. Your top half percentage is gonna be about the same. It's actually a little bit higher for the one and one. And then your top two percent. So these teams that finish at the very top, again, it was even for that 2.2 and 2.2 on both approaches. That changes quite a bit when we go to the slim format where we see a 9.4% win rate with the two wide receivers an 8.4% win rate with the split and a 7.8% win rate with two running backs. Same sort of thing for top half. And then it really jumps out to us with these very top teams that we have 3.1% of those teams with the two wide receivers in the flex again now in this top 2%, 2.1% with the balanced and one6 with the running back heavy. So there'll be two running backs in the flex positions in terms of these first seven rounds. How we're kind of drafting it out the interesting thing here column is that the slim results in 2020 tracked a lot more closely with what we tend to see from say a best ball 10 type of approach in terms of how we want to do that and that makes sense because if you take out the defense from a best ball 10 then the format is going to be very very similar to what we see here with the slim now the difference of course is that This is a two flex format, as opposed to a three wide receiver and one flex format. But that takes us right back to what we talk about all the time with the running back dead zone and with the big points advantage that we have in this round three to round six, seven, eight range at the wide receiver position. You can see that if you go in and you look at the best ball explorer, you pull up the positional heat map and you can see win rate above and below draft position for all of the different slots at the different positions. So you can see, well, if I drafted a running back here, did I win above or below what was expected? If I drafted a wide receiver, did I win above or below what was expected? And then you can also go through and pull up the win the flex tool that Blair Andrews has put together for us, which gives us projected points by ADP. And we can see that wide receivers are scoring more points along this entire stretch which again, when we're talking about the flex position, that's very relevant for us as we attack that. Now, one of the things that we know is we know that this was a little bit more favorable for wide receivers in the flex in 2020 than it is in some seasons, but it's still a pretty strong signal here in terms of how we want to build. And it's not just this idea of, okay, what maximizes the chance to get a good win rate? We know we want that. We know we want to advance into the playoffs in general, but it's the same kind of thing that stands out for this really, really high-end score, which obviously that's what we're looking for to win the one hundred thousand dollars.
1: Yeah, we're not going to do you did touch on the you know the slim results, but we are looking to win it all. You also mentioned that the prize is obviously as we go through the process. So a nine point four percent win rate is obviously fantastic for the the two running backs four wide receivers one tight end split but it is only a 1.6% win rate difference say than the four running backs two wide receivers one tight end split which is still significant but when we look then at getting into the top two percent like it is a, a big big jump it's almost double the the win percentage so there's a huge difference there um I think like people are going to blind into this and just be like oh it's just best ball. it's just your standard baseball league there's going to be people who are and again this is where we've mentioned when we had Denny on we've mentioned when we've uh, had John on last week where are those edges and there's going to be obviously a lot of sharp people playing in these leagues but there's people that are going to be playing in these leagues as well that are thinking I'm going to go in I'm going to draft all my running backs and I'm going to win the league and they're not going to be seeing the splits here that we're sharing and um, which is obviously going to give us a little bit of an edge there when we're drafting so already mentioned the the dead zone um, obviously it's going to make a big difference but the, the win the flex tool is one of my favorite tools to go through and you can just see just the difference it's, it's quite quite easy to see that the wide receivers are pretty much all along the way over the last four years outscoring the running backs and that flex position and then what we're looking at is stacking up on those wide receivers to be able to give us that advantage, then in the flex. So you can, it's 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 very very hard or nearly impossible, in my opinion, to get four running backs that are going to be just phenomenal throughout the season. Even if you draft them in those first four rounds, it's going to be very hard for those guys to to go through a format like this, get you to the winning point, and then hit you four weeks in a row to get you over the line um, in terms of the, the running back position um, but we can see that with the wide receiver position getting them in so the next thing Sean to look at is, is who we're ta- targeting so in terms of I guess we'll we'll look first at our normal approaches when we're talking about tight ends specifically in the FFPC or like in my opinion we're still sticking to our elite tight end strategy if we can get it um, is that the way that you're opening things up if, if you can here?
2: Yeah, so we start out, and you mentioned this big difference between running back and wide receiver and how the four running backs start. It's going to be very difficult to pan out and score the number of points that you need. Now, we do want to keep in mind that every year is a little bit different, and there have been some years, like 2016, for example, where running backs not only stayed healthy, but some of the guys in that third, fourth round range really hit. But one of the reasons that we saw that was that ADP was very, very different than it is in 2021. We were coming off of the 2015 season that had the running back apocalypse, and we didn't have nearly as many of these really difference-making running backs as well. So with the understanding at that point that wide receivers score a lot more points in the crucial areas, with coming off of a season where all the top guys got knocked out, And with not having a lot of these elite running backs, either at the top end or interesting young running backs, then ADP was shifted in such an extreme fashion that you were able to get some of these running backs much later. They stayed healthy, it worked out, people won with that approach. Is it impossible that that approach will win in 2021? It's definitely not, but there are structural reasons why even if running backs stayed healthy and scored a lot of points compared to what we're used to seeing, it would be difficult, and the ADP is one of the big reasons why. We can see that when we pull up the slim results over the past two weeks in the FFPC tools, and we see that through like the middle of the second round or the first two-thirds of the second round, we have Antonio Gibson going as the 14th running back at a point where only three wide receivers have gone, Tyreek Hill, Stephon Diggs, and Devonte Adams. With that big of a skew, it just it's gonna be very difficult for the running backs to pan out as a full group. But we still wanna probably get a couple of them. So back to your question. We see round one, we have all of these running backs, and then we have Travis Kelsey and Darren Waller in that stanza. Colin, as I'm going through this round and looking at targets through the round, because in round one, obviously you're you're very constricted by just what your draft slot is you can't get a question if you have the eighth pick for example (laughs) I'm looking at McCaffrey at the top then Kelsey if we get stuck kind of in that no man's land area I think Barkley is a consideration at least and then Waller and Hill as my targets in the back end of round one do you have any guys that you prefer in those ranges or somebody else say if you get stuck in the middle that you're really going after
1: I think that's pretty fair. I, I'm extremely um, high on Kelsey. I've taken him in the third spot, and I've I have not been draft haven't had a draft yet where I've been in the second slot. But I would be tempted to take him there. I would still be tempted to to go with Cook, but I think in this format, I want to get that tight end. And the other thing to mention is, if you have drafted this year, you are not really getting Kelsey coming back to you even in that that late second round. So if you want that elite tight end, either you know Kelsey Waller or Kettle, and you are picking second or third, you need to take kelsey at, the, at that point point, uh, i think uh you know if i'm in that back end of the first round i've taken a lot of darn waller shares this offseason uh tyree Hill interests me as well but i find myself you know I, i'm happy to take pretty much any of those kind of first six or seven wide receivers taken if they come back to me so no matter what way it's likely to be a tight end in that first round the wide or the running backs i would like to be picking up are uh McCaffrey or Jonathan Taylor, um, but main, mainly getting those tight ends. The other thing just to to pop in there is this tournament, as you mentioned at the start, is 13 weeks, and then you have basically your tournament weeks are 14, 15, 16. In this situation this year with the extended season, we have a week 14 bye, which is affecting the Colts, the Patriots, the Dolphins, and the Eagles. What's your thoughts on that? Are they off your list? Are they, like, I, I at the moment for me, I think... probably players who i'm going to avoid but if we see a situation then where people are starting to avoid them there tend there there becomes a value there if their adps are are dropping but uh, how concerned are you about the week 14 by mixed in with the format
2: yeah the week 14 by is a big deal right because not only does it knock you out from winning the whole contest but it's one of those earlier playoff weeks where you can get taken out and not have a chance to cash at a higher level because you went out in week 16 instead of week 14 so i think we have to take that into consideration now there is this mild benefit of if you have him for the full first 13 weeks and you got a little better chance of making it into the tournament i think that that's a big deal for you especially if you have a construction where you think your team is going to continue to improve throughout the season perhaps you take taylor and then you really wait for your second running back so you've got a lot of zero running back-ish candidates, and you think that those guys are going to emerge down the stretch and potentially carry you once you're into the playoffs. But you would have to get a discount. And where he's going right here in the overall slim results is not discounted at all. We'll have to look and see where he's going specifically in that first round when we're on the clock. You know, if he falls into the second round, and I think it's a, a very different story, I think that we can, though, get overly confident in terms of Projecting some of these guys and think, well, if he falls a couple of slots, then that's a discount when, in fact, it probably really isn't. I mean, you're, you're still very much in the case where if you can get Darren Waller, if you can get Tyreek Hill, you know, those guys have a lot of things going for them anyway, where they would already be in the discussion. And so the week 14 buy, I think, makes it pretty easy there. You mentioned that if you have one of these picks in the two, three, four range and you don't take Kelsey, you're not going to get one of the elite tight ends. And we see that with George Kittle going. In the first three, four picks of the second round, so someone's not going to come back to you. When we look at the second round, we have Diggs with the second pick, Kittle with the third pick. Then we move to the middle of the second round. Antonio Gibson, an interesting guy there. We're going to start running back, running back. Then Gibson really jumps out to me as that rookie who could put it all together and be a top five pick next year then we have deandre happens we have aj brown we have calvin ridley those wide receivers at the back end of that round colin is that how you would play round two
1: well i would be like if it's me on the board i would be pushing those wide receivers at the back end of the round two into the front end round two if, I, if i'm on the clock um in terms of how i know we talked last week with joe mixon um still like the the options that are there if it's you know DeAndre Hopkins, Devontae Adams, AJ Brown, Calvin Ridley I would still be taking them over over uh, mixing in that range so it's it's interesting but I I think that the wide receiver talent there is so good and as you mentioned pretty much the wide receivers are getting pushed down that would should really be in that second half of the first round into the first half of the second round Uh, and I think you're getting them at a, a four or five pick discount then at that point so I would really be pushing those wide receivers up. I think there's a big, big discount at that point.
2: If you're in the, one of these picks with uh, in the back third of the draft, do you have any running backs that you're willing to take in that range? Let's say you have a, a Waller or a Hill in the first round. Is there anyone coming back through that you would pick? Or if you prefer to take Diggs or Kittle, is there any running back in that first round? Out of say eckler acres chubb uh maybe harris climbing back up if you have him with you know maybe even leading the league in touches anybody there that you like or are they really all must avoids
1: they're not see that's the difference they're not must avoids like i actually like a lot of the players that are in that like i like aaron jones you know i like nick chubb but they're and i like antonio gibson but they're players that i'm not really drafting like so far this offseason i can be 100 honest and say I have no second or uh, I have first round running backs but I have no second round running backs drafted and I have no running backs drafted in the back end of the first round so anywhere from pick basically eight onwards it's been tight end or wide receiver and on the way back it's been wide receiver every single time in the second round. I just, I, I really do think the upside of the likes of Diggs, Adams, Hopkins, Brown, Ridley even Justin Jefferson who I mentioned like, you know, I think the upside there is too much to pass up um, versus the, the, the running back scenarios that might play out. So um, I, I'm, I'm very much now, doesn't say it won't happen, but it's unlikely to change throughout the rest of the offseason, I think.
2: So we wrap into round three, and we have Justin Jefferson, DK Metcalf, DeAndre Swift at the top. I'm guessing that Justin Jefferson is definitely someone you would also consider in round two. If you were able to have that first pick and you have McCaffrey, and you can go Ridley Jefferson or Jefferson Metcalf at that two, three turn. Uh, That's pretty much a dream scenario. You're starting to build a team that's gonna be very difficult for other teams to beat. One of the things that we talk about at length on the show and repeatedly is this idea that one of the things that happens if you have a pick in the back third and you don't take receivers, then it pushes these stud guys down. Now, you're not gonna be able to address this as one manager in the slim format since those guys are going to get pushed down anyway it is something where you're very excited if you get one of the top picks because maybe you don't get one of those elite elite tight ends which you know that may be all the difference in the league but if you're able to make a good tight end pick later the fact that you can start mccaffrey and then two of these star wide receivers really gets you out to such a huge start as we move into the middle of round three column jk dobbins a running back who i think is a little bit interesting in the dead zone there kyle pitts going in the middle of round three especially with julio jones now departing people uh, the enthusiasm for pitts just continues and continues to rise Uh, it's going to be very difficult for him to meet those expectations at the same time in tight end premium even if you don't get the mega season you know he's going to have some value for you there keenan allen terry mclaurin mclaurin probably the guy that we prefer although allen with Herbert could have another big season for the veteran. At the back end, we see guys like Miles Sanders, Chris Carson, whom we're going to have a question about in one of the follow-up shows this week. And then at that turn, C.D. Lamb, Allen Robinson, T.J. Hawkinson. The guys I'm playing here would be Dobbins in the middle, then Lauren, and then Lamb I really like at the end of that third round. Do you have somebody else who would sneak in for you too?
1: Well, I really like McLaurin. Um, he's been my target there. Um, the other thing I was going to mention for people who maybe haven't really started drafting yet—I uh, don't know if you feel the same way, Sean—but you mentioned like the McCaffrey start. If you have that pick, if you look at the way drafts and ADP are going, if you have a, a top three pick, I think the way you can turn that team like into a juggernaut in those first kind of six, seven rounds is is really impressive. I like a lot of the kind of third, fourth, fifth, sixth round guys that are going at the start or at the ends of those rounds who, you know, fitting into those. I find when I'm drafting at spot kind of 9, 10, 11, there's a lot of the players that are there. It tends to be that's where those running backs are starting to get pushed back to then the end of those rounds. So I find my decision-making a lot tougher when you're drafting and what's available at the back end of those rounds, um, which is probably to be expected. But um, I find those first three spots this year really do have a nice kind of rhythm to the way the ADP is falling uh, in terms of other people that I, I think sh- like looking through your list here you have like it's it's pretty much uh, I'm I'm 100% on board with them all McLaurin though would be my target there um, Keenan Allen I think is somebody who probably not been talked about enough but I think if I had the choice again between him McLaurin and Lamb I would be going McLaurin Lamb and then Allen but uh, it's really, really interesting range there. The wide receivers, really between rounds two and rounds five, I think the, there's just such a such a crop to, to pick from.
2: And then we move into round four, and if you missed on those big three receivers, it starts to get interesting here because we have T.J. Hawkinson and Mark Andrews. Hawkinson, the guy who is expected to have massive volume if he can stay healthy and take advantage of it in that Detroit offense, maybe the efficiency won't be there with Jared Goff and not a lot of receiving threats. To take the pressure off, to take coverage off, but Hawkinson, I think an early favorite. If we're going to get an upset of Kelsey in volume to a tight end, then Mark Andrews almost the opposite. He's not going to have the volume, but if we have someone who really blows the top off in terms of the efficiency, it could be Andrews with that Ravens offense bouncing back a little bit. The kind of disappointing running backs come off the board here, or not disappointing, but just players who have established themselves as strong starting options, but not stars, like people have perhaps opened a couple years ago, and that would be David Montgomery and Josh Jacobs. By contrast, we have the rookie who could be a star, but could have some volume issues in Travis Etienne, and in the back of that round is Mike Evans, DJ Moore, Julio Jones, Chris Godwin. Colin for me, I, I really like those two tight ends, because there are going to be sometimes looking at The start of these drafts, where you're just simply not going to hit one of the big three. I like those guys at the values here, and then Etn is a running back in the dead zone who's interesting. If we're going to get those two running backs in the first seven rounds, then we do have to pick someone else at some point. He's the guy that I really like there, and then at the wide receiver position, DJ Moore, Chris Godwin, those guys were not as big a disappointments last year as it might feel like or might seem like, but they have a lot of room to rise back up. Obviously, Godwin, the wide receiver, too, the previous season. He's probably not going to get to those heights in a little bit more of a balanced attack with Tom Brady, where they're not going to trail nearly as much as they did with Jameis Winston, but he has plenty of upside. DJ Moore, this could be the year if Sam Darnold can really play at all that we've seen more take off and hit that top five wide receiver type of level. So, as you mentioned, the back half of the round, as we move back into that Dalvin Cook, Christian McCaffrey range for the start, the wide receiver value there, again, pretty special.
1: Yeah, no, it's, uh, I think it's really positive there, and it's a situation where like, I don't think he can really go all that wrong. Um, you know, DJ Moore is somebody I'm taking if I can get him there. The other player I would push up into that range uh, is Jamar Chase. I'm still very interested there um, in getting him in, but it keeps coming to a situation where... If it's Jamar Chase or T Higgins, and I can get Higgins around later, I'm I'm trying to make that the pick. But um, it, their their ADP for me is fluctuating a lot from draft to draft. In terms of one could be going in that fifth round at that point, and then the others going in the sixth round, and then the next draft it, it flips back. But DJ Moore, you mentioned like is somebody who. I think people just think has not been able to to do it, you know. But in terms of what he's done three years into his NFL career, is 208 receptions, over 3,000 yards, uh, averaging 15.2 yards per reception, 10 touchdowns. (laughs) Like, I, I just think we're... I know we talk about it sometimes when the wide receivers come into the NFL, though we've seen in like 2014 or the last couple of years we've been blessed with the wide receiver talents. But like through three seasons, he's he's really on an impressive pace. And um, the last two seasons, he's had well over 100 targets both years. So we'll see what happens. Like last season, almost uh, 1,200 yards. Um, and we're kind of getting him at a discounted rate. So he almost feels like he could be this year's Stefan Diggs. And we're looking at like somebody who's going – a couple of rounds later who next year is going in that second round i know a lot of that rests on sam Darnold's shoulders but dj moore i think there's a, a big value to be had still there any other players sean as we we get through a couple more rounds that you want to highlight
2: well the interesting thing i think is that round five actually is fairly dark right you're going to have to probably move <laughs> to round six guys ap wise into this round it's mike davis robert woods jamar chase kyler murray kareem hunt lamar jackson miles gaskin prescott cooper cup adam Thielen, deontay johnson tyler lockett now it's not that those are bad players but the only guy i'm really looking to draft there is deontay johnson whereas we move into round six and we have javante williams blair another cool article last week in his wrong read series again looking at running back draft age williams i think really flying under the radar here now. There are some reasons with Melvin Gordon there with the Denver Broncos offense, unless they can peel your uh, Aaron Rodgers away that Broncos offense, probably not going to be particularly efficient, but Williams really the guy who comes in, I think undervalued relative to Harris and Etienne in terms of what his probable talent is the second half of the season for him could be absolutely huge. Again, it's going to be a little bit of a struggle to get to the second running back in these first seven rounds because of the thing, way that we're looking at after the first round, the value is just not there. So he's someone we definitely have to keep in mind. And I think given that his ADP is right at the beginning of the sixth round, I think you have to start looking at him in the middle of the fifth. Then we have T Higgins. We have Galladay. We have Fant. Uh, Higgins and Fant, obviously always targets. Then Brandon Ayuk, James Robinson, and a little bit of an interesting guy to still be going in that range. A lot of confidence in the Jaguars offense. Uh, with both of the running backs and even though we haven't quite gotten to them yet both Chark and Chenault going in the first nine rounds Logan Thomas finishing out round six I think could be this year's Darren Waller so round six I think a little more fruitful than round five do you have a round five guy that's a must-have
1: I mentioned that I do like Chase but I I am kind of waiting a little bit more on on Higgins and the thing I have uh, this was the question I was going to throw back to you is in that fifth round, I find a lot of the time if you're drafting from the mid-fifth round back towards the back of the round, I have been uh, very tempted. I'm in a draft, actually, that's going on at the moment with uh, Mike Beers, and he's he, I'm, I'm spot... Uh, I am spot. Uh, I think it's spot 8 and he's spot 9 so there's just basically back to back but uh, I went with Lamar Jackson um, at the back of that 5th round uh, today so I- I'm getting tempted to go some of those quarterbacks are or- around that range uh, he took Dak Prescott actually next pick um, so I think in that 5th round I'm getting tempted to-, to pull the trigger on quarterback is that something that you would be going with or going against based on what we know about uh, the roster construction explorer?
2: I think that when you look at these drafts you have to make sure and we talk about this a lot but you have to make sure you work from round 10 up as well as work from round three four back and see who your targets are so you know you're going to need to take qbs in the qb window so a little bit earlier than what we all used to do with the late round qb you do want to get a couple of these guys who are legitimate big time scorers right so you can pass on the super high scores It's not ideal necessarily, but if you do pass on them, you know that you're going to still need to get a couple of guys before it gets too late. So if you have a similar wide receiver target in round eight, as you have in round five, you don't necessarily need to elevate that receiver instead of taking the quarterback. If you could just take the quarterback there, get the receiver you want later, and then have this big gap at the quarterback position. So one of the things that we know, one of the questions that we get is that the roster construction explorers will give us a really good sense of what has worked historically and why it works. And then we have to still be responsible for our own selections, still responsible for what's happening in the given year and make sure that we're using ADP to our advantage. So if there is a hole here where it really only makes sense to take the QB, we wanna make sure we do that even if history has told us a slightly different approach works, right? Because we're working with our own boards. We don't want to try and make our board fit the roster construction explorer if we could actually get that same team, but better doing it a slightly different way. So I think that's a good question. I think that the quarterbacks do interest me there given how flat and how unappealing some of the other positions are. We just want to make sure we have a good plan for round six, round seven, round eight, round nine that we can definitely execute if we decide to take the QB.
1: Yeah, round five for me, like you mentioned, does seem a bit flat. There's not a huge amount of targets, and that's where Kyler Murray, Lamar Jackson, and Dak Prescott are going. So that's getting very interesting for me. I mentioned on one of the previous shows, I took Josh Allen in the fourth round, and then as that draft progressed, it still worked out pretty well. But when you take one of those wide receivers in the fourth round, then take a quarterback in the fifth round, then go back to wide receiver in the sixth round, I think I'm liking how those are are turning out from a draft perspective but it's gonna be interesting i'm sure that'll be another conversation we'll have uh in one of the upcoming shows but two more shows to go this week this is tuesday's episode down hopefully you've enjoyed it i know the contest is over but if you haven't left us a written review yet please do so we will be running some contests uh, throughout the off season uh, most of them will i'll be honest be re- rotating around reviews because it is a, a great way to help us grow the podcast here and grow the road of his radio podcast network so drop us a written review on your favorite podcast app to everyone who did drop us review over the last uh, two or three weeks, uh, much, much appreciated. We We do uh, really, really uh, thank you for that. If you want to get yourself a road of a subscription, you can save yourself 10% by adding the code RVRADIO2021 at checkout. Get you access to all of the tools, all of the content that we talk on the podcast, uh, you know, multiple times a week. Uh, it is one of the best uh you know ways to set yourself up for success this season you can save 10 by adding the code rv radio 2021 that's going to do it for today's edition of the podcast thank you as always for tuning in my name is colin kelly you can follow me on twitter at overtime ireland any questions you have for future shows or you want to submit you can send them to me there at twitter or else you can also email them over at roadways Gmail at gmail.com and of course my co-host is sean Siegel, who. Siegel you can check out all of his great work up on rotaviz.com and until we're back with another edition of the podcast have a good one thank you for listening to overtime on rotaviz radio please rate and review the rotaviz radio podcast on itunes or your favorite podcast app you can contact us via email at rotavizradio at gmail.com follow us on twitter at rotaviz and remember you can always support the pod by subscribing to rotaviz with this discount through the rotaviz radio homepage, forward slash podcast